This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, we're back and we tackle Black Lives Matter and the anti-racism debate. Hello, my friend. Hello. How are you, my preggy? I'm pregnant. I forgot almost. Good. How's my Baba baking? Is my Baba baking big and strong? Baba is baking big and strong. Yeah, he he's a he. Surprise! Ah. <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> well, already. I knew, but now our listeners know as well. <laughs> he's a he. Um, and I'm very happy about that. But the, that is a discussion for another day, and so we will um, we will continue on our. Uh, momming journeys and the upside down of our upside down um, next week, I think, in next week's yes. episode. Because this week, the news has taken a swift departure from COVID-19 and entered into even more choppy waters, if you can believe it. Oh, it's been taxing. I'm not going to lie. People are charged and fired up and for good reason mm. at that. Uh, the general state of humanity has left me feeling so despondent and really feeling incredibly helpless and sad. I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. I think South Africa is exhausted at the moment. Look, the world is exhausted, but um, mm. in our context, I think I think there are very tired, emotionally spent human beings um, out there today. And so, like, well, look, we can't control a lot about any the way anybody else is feeling or about their humaneness. We can't... Tell them how to behave or what to do. Um, and we can't control what we can't control. I'm surprised that we haven't learned this already, Charlene. Um, but <laughs> This is true. <laughs> what we can control are the variables within our sphere, the controllable variables within our sphere. I'm quoting my therapist. So <laughs> in tackling the news this week, um, broadly clamped under the hashtag, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and the general debate about white privilege and anti-racism, um, because this is where we're at this week. Um, as two white women on The Great Equalizer, on a parenting podcast, we've decided to take charge only of what we can with the help of a very gracious TGE community. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. So to basically summarize where we are at this week and, and how we got here, um, a 46-year-old black man named George Floyd died at the hands of police brutality in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in the United States, on the 25th of May. And um, since then, and since the outrage and the protests um, happening in the U.S., uh, it's just been a spotlight on a similar kind of reality in our country, uh, which is never-ending, it would seem. Um, specifically, a man, an Alexandra man named Collins Causa has been uh, named, but there are plenty of other examples. Collins Causa was reportedly accosted by SANDF soldiers in his Alexandra home, literally like less than 10 kilometers from my home. He was accosted in his home and basically beaten to death in a manner similar to, very similar to George Floyd for breaking lockdown regulations. Um, look, I don't want to go into a lesson <sighs> on current events, Charlene, but one thing that comes to mind is I know plenty of white friends and family 
who broke lockdown regulations and weren't treated there while well, they're still alive. Let me put it that way. <laughs> the injustice, it's just an absolute injustice. It's devastating is what it is. And it's just, it's brought, so this situation has brought to light not only Black Lives Matter, but just general um, and systemic racism in our country that we can never get away from. And I guess what's tricky here is how we as two white women are going to react. And so I think for the most part, we're not. We're going to sit back and shut up, which is tricky in a podcast. So we can, <laughs> yes, be quiet and listen, learn. Yeah. So we, we've put it out to our community and on Instagram, we've gotten a lot of calls for more diverse, even more diversity. Well, I shouldn't uh, defend myself here, actually. More diversity in our podcast, having more moms of color come on. Um, which was a, I'm very grateful for that um, input and other input that we've received and a voice note that I'm going to play in a bit. And so as a parenting podcast, I guess where we move forward from here is how to be introspective about this, sit back, shut up and listen, right? And then also how we change history um, for the better with our children, you and I can sit here and drone on about what we do as parents in our daily lives um, to make a difference specifically looking at this issue, but that's not the point and that doesn't help anyone because it's not about us and it's not about whether we're ticking all the boxes and what achievements we're making um, relating to this topic, but we have a wonderful platform that could go a very long way in sending out a message and educating our listeners and our fellow like snow pale white mommies <laughs> and daddies that listen to us. Along with um, ourselves. Who, along with ourselves. Mm. And we all know what we're doing in our own personal lives, but we have a platform and it has a voice. And why don't we rather use this platform to, to give those who don't have a voice a voice. Mm. So we put a call out um, before we get to our guest today, which is the main event um, in listening. Uh, before we get to our guest, I want to play a voice note that I got. And I use this term lightly, woke. <laughs> so if anybody can be woke, um, this lady, this listener of ours, I'm proud to call her a loyal TGE listener, is woke. She's it. And I have to give a bit of brief context because I did have to cut her voice note just for the sake of time on, on today's episode. So if anybody wants me to send the full voice note, I'll be happy to do so because it, it has some very wise words. But the caveat is firstly that she is a white woman and what she doesn't mention or what I had to cut out of the voice note is that she is mom to two little boys, one black little boy and one white little boy, and how her journey in anti-racism, um, I won't say started, but was kind of escalated in the realization that, let's say, for instance, if her two little boys are 18-year-old men walking down the road late at night, the white boy is certainly going to be treated very differently to the black boy in our country and in a lot of countries around the world. And that is where we start in realizing that. Um, and so that is her context. And I'm going to play what she said and also um, add on afterwards how she kind of took me to task and changed my, my viewpoint somewhat um, in what she said. Here is Tanya. Thank you so much for your voice note. Hi, Sam and Charlene. Um, thank you for this conversation and for asking these hard questions. Um, yeah, it's, it's obviously an important conversation to have. For context and clarity, I am a white woman. I know that there has been criticism of white people overtaking the narrative, um, you know, in this case and yet again. And I absolutely agree that we need to shut up and listen, but we also need to be having these conversations with each other because the burden of education and growth 
actually cannot sit with black people any longer. It's time that white people start to hold each other accountable. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm entering the fray here. Um, I think the time for diverse literature and black dolls has come and gone, honestly. I mean, I think we should all obviously continue to populate our kids' shelves and toy boxes with these diverse books and toys, but we also now need to start doing the work, and it is work. There's no taking a break from this. Um, so the most important thing, I think, is a mind shift. We have to stop thinking that racism is binary and that you either are or you aren't a racist. It's, we have to rather strive to be actively anti-racist. And it isn't lacquer sometimes because it means calling yourself out too. But anti-racism is it's like meditation. It's a daily practice. You have to get used to interrogating every book your child reads, every TV show your kid watches, and every toy your kid plays with. You have to stand up to your uncle at Christmas and... You know, you can't just ignore the old white lady who's trying to get you to join in with her eye rolling in the queue at home affairs anymore. Um, and it's it's hard. I'm struggling with it too. But when I'm tired and I think, oh, fuck it, I just want to ignore it all and live my life, I have to remember that that's my privilege, my privilege talking. Um, yeah, and some of the old favorites also need to go. There's a lot of information out there about the damaging kind of race and gender narratives in Disney movies that the 80s and 90s kids love so much. Um, even old Dr. Seuss, um, they are, you know, it's problematic. We need to educate ourselves even when, you know, it's disappointing. Um, and then advocating for change in our kids' schools and moms' groups. This should not only be a black parent's burden. Um, we, have to, we have to advocate too. But that said, we also have to kind of interrogate why we as white people are advocating. Is it so that others can see that we're good white moms? Or is it because we genuinely want to see a change in society? These are not kind of easy questions to ask, and I think the answers probably change. They do for me. They change on a daily basis, and, and we might not like what we see when we look inward. Um, yeah, I get it. It's tiring, but, you know, we're moms. We're used to tiring. Um, yeah, I think it's not enough to teach niceness and kindness to our children. It's cool to be kind, but being nice doesn't necessarily mean that you're amplifying a marginalized voice or giving someone an opportunity or addressing inequity. Um, racism is so systemic and entrenched in our society. It, uh, kindness isn't going to cut it. It's about advocating using your privilege to effect change in society. Thanks for the show, ladies. Um, I'm excited to listen to it and learn more from you and your guests. And I just love that this community is doing this work together. So I've listened yes. to it too. Layer. Exactly. I've listened to that uh, yes, before, obviously. Yes, but yes. <laughs> Right? She is someone that I'll go, cool, we can have a discussion and we can move forward here. I feel like an idiot, Charlene, I've got to be honest, in all of this. I do. No, I do too. Because firstly, I don't, as disgusting as it is, my white privilege blinds me. Mm. And, and like she says, you have to constantly remind yourself you have to open your eyes to things that you have become blind to things that you don't see because they don't happen to you and then you have to think with that mind and not because oh you want everybody around you to think that you're oh my god you know she's not a racist she's a very nice person no fuck that idea <laughs> it's not about being nice not about being kind it's not about oh look at Charlene she's checking all the boxes it is about the world that my children live in and grow up in and what do they see and what are they exposed to? I don't want them to live with that blindness. I want their eyes to be open. And I want to be able to open their eyes. And I cannot open their eyes if I myself am blind to mm. it. That's what it's about. So in the rest of the voice notes, uh, Tanya made a very uh, good point of saying that her family has um, tried to change up their service providers to include black businesses. So, yeah, this discussion is not about let's support black business and let's just, just highlight everything that, you know, so that we can kind of save our ass, you know, let's just make black people happy. It's not about that. It's about exposing our children to, and she used the specific example of a black doctor or optometrist yes. or dentist. Yes. How many yes. of us are doing those types of things? Just let's talk about the figures of authority that we're exposing our kids to. She said, she said so much, um, and one thing that um, she did take me to task on was uh, what she said in the very beginning, and that I think we've moved on from diversity in books and black dolls. And I was like, For sure. yes, this is what's made me feel very uncomfortable this week, is 
do I go into Elijah's bedroom and pick out all of the books by black South African authors that show diversity and show people on Instagram what I'm doing in my household to to help? Do I do, I do that? It's not about that. It's not about no. showing people... Yeah standing on a pedestal and showing people what I'm doing because guess what? It's not about me. Um, and the whole argument of centralizing uh, white people in this because that's just what we know. That's our go-to. We don't know any different. White people are at the forefront of everything, you know? So um, that certainly took me to And the fact of task. the matter is, mm. no, for sure. And what she's saying by taking your kids to a black doctor and I read something earlier today on social media, like when the president speaks on the television, um, addresses the nation, how do you react your in your household? Mm. What is your reaction when uh, the government makes decisions that doesn't necessarily sit right with you? How? What words, what language do you use in your household when you discuss those matters with your husband? And how do you react to a black person um, in, a, in a position of authority, you know? Mm. Um, that's what your child. That's what your children see, and that's what they're exposed to. And to be honest, if you are doing the right things there, you can have all the fucking books on the shelf and all the black <laughs> little colored dolls in your kid's toy basket. They ain't gonna fucking matter because children do what they see you doing. Mm. So, in an attempt to better ourselves and to take ourselves off uh, the soapbox for this episode. We have invited a special guest who I'm happy to say is a recurring guest uh, to our show to help us with this dialogue. Charlene, I can now happily say that our guest today is no stranger to The Great Equalizer. That's right. We very recently had him on our Getting to Know You episode. Indeed. And look, I think it's worth repeating that T-Dog, T-Man, you know, Aphrodite, <laughs> spent five years creating a space for dads and moms who know, like us, that parenting can give you all the feels. And again, in his words, parenting can be fantastic, wonderful and beautiful, but exhausting, frustrating and awful all at the same time. Yeah. So like we have mentioned before, Terence goes into detail about all the parenting ups and downs in his blog, vlog and podcast, Aphrodite. And thank heavens he's agreed to come help us out again this year. Arguably our trickiest and most heated episode yet, dare I say. Yeah. That is it. Welcome back, Terence. Thank you so much for joining us. Sam and Charlene, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am so ready to get into this with you guys. This is going to be good. It's oh. going to be difficult. <laughs> it's going to be tricky. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be tricky, but we can do this. I think our three minds together, we can make this work without anyone uh, getting fired. Let's try to do that. <laughs> that could be our aim for today. Okay, I think Good. we can do I, it. Totally doable. I think also the intention on all, you know, the attention, the intention with which we're approaching this is all we're all on the same page here um, yeah. to do better. So let's get stuck in. Let's put things in context for for our listeners. Yesterday was hashtag Blackout Tuesday, where most of Instagram put up a black square on their grid in a show of solidarity for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I didn't sit right with me to to begin with, and not for I think what what a number of people would assume it didn't sit right. It just as you know, Charlene, I feel like in I feel like it's a bit inactive, you know, where I felt like I don't like being inactive when it comes to uh, protesting or standing up for something, and I felt like if I had just done that, it would have been a cop out, Terence. Then you posted something and it, it made me feel a bit better about that. Not that it's all about me feeling better. And, and I, you had alternative views on the whole black square on the grid. Can you explain mm. or go into detail on that? <laughs> oh, man, I go into, I, there was a lot of conversations about uh, my views yesterday. Uh, yesterday was tough. Um, <laughs> but basically, yeah. I, I saw what, what I saw happening was people who have I've never seen speak out about these issues all of a sudden jumping on board of a trend mm. and posting a black square uh, and often using the hashtag uh, Black Lives Matter. So filling up that hashtag with just these 
meaningless, pointless black squares. Uh, for them, it was to show an act of solidarity. And the way I saw it was, hey, we are putting ourselves and our voices in front of everyone else. And I didn't see that black square, posting a black square as being in any way useful. And, and the word I use is active, which is great. Um, what I would have preferred people to have done is to go, instead of posting a black square, here are the three things, here are the three steps I'm going to mm. take to try and um, address the issue in my own life, in my own community, for myself to be a, a better person uh, to to actually help the situation, not just jump on board a trend. Um, uh, I said that a lot more succinctly in, in a tweet. Uh, obviously, you can't get all of that explanation into <laughs> in a tweet. Um, but what I was very surprised at, actually, was that people like yourself and a lot of other white people responded in a very positive way to that. They, I think a lot of people felt uncomfortable with just posting a black square. I think there are a lot of people like you who are like, Sorry. I certainly yeah. did, yeah. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. And so yeah. what I want I, I want to add a disclaimer because sorry to interrupt Charlene, just just because um this is a no judges platform. And so I wasn't looking at everybody who had posted and gone, Ugh, you don't care about this really. You're just posting for the sake of I didn't at all do that. Just on a very, very personal level, I thought, that's not all I can do. There's there's more, but I don't know what. So I'm just gonna sit back for a second mm. you know i felt the same because i i i don't know i didn't look at people posting the black square and i thought oh yeah whatever what are you posting this for i didn't have any feeling about them posting it i was introspective and i was like i don't feel right about reposting this because i feel like i i should be doing more then to, because what what does it mean for me to post that mm. black square and and to me it it didn't have enough it didn't carry enough weight or didn't hold enough water for me to do that that was my own personal and having said that i don't want people listening to this thinking oh so are you saying by me just posting a black square um i wasn't doing enough no because i don't know what else you're doing in your life mm. i don't know you and i don't know what else you're doing so this is a total judgment on my own action that i am taking yeah i think that was that was kind of the the point i was trying to make was that you know, there, there are a lot of people I know who are close friends of mine who did post a black square. And I know what they're like in their personal lives. I know what they're doing. And I know that they are actively working, firstly, on themselves. They're, they're looking at the way they are problematic and the, the issues that they are bringing to, to the problem. And they've been working on that themselves. They've been vocal in other ways. Um, but at the same time, as a person of color myself, I mean, I'm not sure if your listeners your listeners probably don't know, but um, I'm colored. I'm Cape colored. I have a black son. My wife is white. And we have another son that's half colored, half white. So so the race issue and the way people of color are viewed in society is a really big deal for me. Mm. Um, you know, this is issue. And, and this is one of the, you know, this is one of the problems that we really have to start grappling with is that for a lot of white people, this might be one of the first times they've really started to think about this, or they, they might be have thought about this recently, whenever there's another um, cop killing or another uh, black person gets killed by the cops in the States, then it flares up and they think about it for five minutes and they might post something about Black Lives Matter. This is what I have to live with every single day, uh, not just for me, but for my sons as well. So so it, it and this is where it becomes difficult because I want to be helpful. I want to be educational and encourage people. But at the same time, it's it's so personal for me. Like mm. I, I, I am scared for myself. I'm scared for my for my children, um, in a real way. And then for that to be kind of summed up by someone posting a black square, <laughs> it's just kind mm. of oh man, insensitive. Uh, it seems almost insensitive and disrespectful. Yeah, and and in the same way, I, I mean, kind of what we've been saying before we started recording was that there's there are very there are a lot of similarities between the way we should expect white people to behave with with this issue compared to the way we expect men to behave with the the um, Me Too movement. You know, we we don't want men just to post yes, men are trash. We want men to say, well, not just men out there. This this man, yeah, me. Like I I have to recognize that I am part of the problem first. 
And so another thing that I really struggled with yesterday was seeing all of these, and, and, I, and I truly believe this, well-meaning and well-intentioned white people posting these black squares, people who want to show solidarity, people who, are, who want to say, I'm not okay with this. I, I don't think this is right. And I want, to, I want to stand up against this. I truly believe that's what they're trying to say. But what, what I'm seeing is people saying, I think other white people are the problem. <laughs> look, look at all those other bad white police officers in the States. Look how bad they are. Mm. And until we start looking internally, and, and even as myself, as a colored person, I have to accept that I have grown up in a racist system that has put racism within me. And I have to, even as a father to a black child, I have to analyze that and deal with that and battle with that myself in the same way that as a man, I have to deal with my male privilege and my misogyny. And, and I don't want people to be saying, oh, look at how terrible everyone else is. I want people to be saying, putting their hand up and saying, yes, I am part of the problem and, and here are the steps I'm going to take to fix it. Right. Um, and I don't think that Black Square did, did that. So Sorry, I'm very, I'm very, um, I, I'm very passionate. About no, that was, I mean, that was no, really well that's put. That's, exactly, that's exactly why we're asking you. And um, look, so Charlene and I uh, waited until the end of the day and then we touched base and decided what we would do. We had another topic picked out for today altogether. And of, I mean, of course, we had to say something. You can't just remain mum. But um, so we posted last night and we're like, we gave a little bit of context about who we are. And the thing that, that gets me as two white women doing this is, I don't know if you know that Trevor Noah skit where, he's, where it's like in the classroom and it's the teacher um, calling out um, Tepo. Mm. that's often what I feel like when I speak about these matters I feel like a white woman you know talking about race like it is so dreadful and racism is so bad and you know I have a black friend I'm not racist you know my friend Seppo that's what I feel like so it's very difficult to unless you really know me um, it's it's hard to put across how I really feel and who I really am and Mm. the action that I've taken in my life and I don't know if it's right to be publicly airing what I'm doing in my little family to combat racism. I could give you those commitments on a day where the hashtag is important. Um, but I, wanna, I want this to have longevity, right? So we did come under friendly criticism, very friendly criticism, I, I might add, for asking what we can do to be better or to help. So T, I want to know from you, I have asked another friend of mine as well. And she gave an interesting answer. But I want to know, is it wrong to be asking? How do you feel about that? And I feel like in this instance, there's so much that you can, <laughs> there's, you can step a foot wrong either way. And I feel yeah. stupid. I feel like I'm lacking intelligence. And I, and I can't really blame my porridge brain here. So is it okay to be asking, <laughs> what can we do? So, so I think the first thing is to acknowledge that it, it is a complex situation. It's a, it's a difficult situation that it's also very it varies depending on what your particular situation is so which makes it even more difficult that there's not maybe not one necessary like here is the playbook on how to be a a, an allied white person like there's not a specific Mm -hmm. step-by-step guide for that but i think acknowledging that is useful because that means that actually if you do take a step wrong that's fine it doesn't mean that you aren't an ally or that you you aren't well-intentioned or that you don't want to be better it just means that you have that's a learning process, and if you view it as that, then okay, great. That's it. with with this particular person or in this particular situation. Yes, how I can behave better. Mm-hmm. Again, much like and I, and I keep bringing it back to the 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 kind of continual learning process that I have to go through when it comes to how I interact with women. I I like to think I'm better than I was ten years ago. I'm hoping that in 10 years' time I'll be better than I am now, having learned a lot, a lot more and, and made a lot more mistakes. So, so I think that's the first thing. Just, just acknowledge that it is complex. It is difficult. It's not that you are, are um, you know, not able to understand it because you are low intelligence or whatever or that you have a preggy brain, which, by the way, congratulations. For. <laughs> um, it, is, it is complicated. But I think the first thing is to, is to be when you're asking for help, be very careful about who you're asking. Mm. There are some people who are vocal and active in the space. So, for instance, 
I posted yesterday about all this and you asking me about it makes sense because, hey, Terrence, you're clearly wanting to talk about this and engage with this issue. Do you mind talking about this more? I think that's a that's a wise decision to make. If it's your friend who has, you know, has been dealing with racism for his or her whole life or a very severe bout of it right now, the emotionally intelligent thing to do is to say, wait a second, I doubt right now you want to sit down mm. and explain to me how you're feeling and why this is wrong. Um, the other thing is there is a lot of stuff online that you can go and read and work through yourself. Um, necessarily finding the, uh, this is where it becomes difficult because you, you know, you want to find the right stuff and you don't want to <laughs> be led right. down the wrong path. So, so, so I think, I think finding someone um, like myself who is willing to talk about this, um, I think asking if it's okay to ask is a good thing. I know it sounds silly. It sounds like you're, um, you're, you're, keep, you're having to keep like go back, having to go backwards, but saying, Hey, are you in a space where again, um, Sam, like you, you did with me yesterday, like, are you in a, mentally healthy space enough to have this conversation do you have the emotional energy for it if it's the answer is no that's fine that's cool yeah um but if it's yes okay great what are the boundaries where where can we go with this um so so i think asking for help is okay i think just making sure that the situation is is okay with it you know like if you've just had an argument with a person of color about issues of race that might not be the right point to ask for help. <laughs> Maybe that's a time to let things cool down and then come back and say, hey, listen, um, I've, I've had a big think about what you've had to say. Would you mind us continuing this conversation or can you direct me to someone who can? Um, I've had a lot of those conversations over the last 24 hours actually where um, with one person who said something who I completely disagree with, I actually just replied to her and said, listen, I don't have the time or the energy to explain to you just how wrong you are. Mm. Um, <laughs> please go and read these, like this particular blog post. Please go and do your investigation and we can continue this conversation. Otherwise with other people who have DM'd me and said, Hey, where can I start? I, I've been quite happy to, a lot of it is dependent on the person and what I know about them as well. Um, the other thing is that this is a personal conversation. So it does require a, a personal relationship. And I think this is where it starts to fall apart a bit. We are still very segmented in South Africa and, and mm. in Cape Town where I'm from. It is particularly bad. I, I have gone to so many birthday parties for myself and my kids where I or my boys are the only people of color out of like 20 or 30 people at the party, which, which just, in fact, I think we've been to more of those parties than other parties because in Cape Town, if you're a middle-class person, most likely you're in a white world. Uh, you know, trying to find a school where my son can have a good education but also have a diverse group of friends has been very difficult. Mm. Um, same, same with where we worship, same with where we go out to eat. You know, any nice restaurant, I'd say most of the times we've gone to nice restaurants, which isn't often because we do have two kids. Uh, but whenever we do go to a nice restaurant, I'm usually the only person of color who isn't working there. You know, so so when that's the world that we live in, it becomes very difficult to have a personal relationship with someone where if, where you are where you do feel safe to ask that question. Hey, help me understand this. Um, I do have white 100%. friends who. I can yeah. only imagine. I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm nodding here quietly while I'm listening to you. I'm just like, I. that's what I don't understand. Like, I, I feel so guilty that I, my kids have got, they've got diversity at school. I'm listening to the examples you're giving and I'm going in my mind, yes, okay, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Thank God I had the insight to do that, you know. <laughs> but then I think to myself, like, I, I grew up with only white friends and I'm really so aware of that for my kids because if you don't expose them to different cultures how will they know that that there's uh, different people in this world that you can learn from and so I'm thinking but how do you say like hi you're black can can I can my kids play with your kids? yeah that, you so know? that's that's the tricky thing for me is that is not it to be disrespectful I know I probably come across as being disrespectful but in my immediate group of friends I'm that's fine I'm comfortable there but if if my kid isn't if we're not particularly friends with 
I'm looking at my kids, the profile of my kids' friends, and he doesn't have enough black children that he plays with because there's Indian, there's colored, there's um, mostly white. But I, we play with we, our neighbors. Are, uh, we've, we've got a big complex with mixed race families. And we always try and engage with everybody. But how do you? How do you breach that gap? The, the I, challenge I is know. to make it organic, right? Because you can't yes. be out seeking people of color to be part of your friendship circle for your children's because sake. Because then mostly. you just have an agenda. You have an then agenda have and an then agenda. you have a token black guy in your friendship group. And that's yeah. not helping it's, anything. Yeah. And that's <laughs> racial profiling and it's racist <laughs> and it's rude and it's mean and exactly. hurtful. Exactly. No, exactly. And also, it's hard enough to make friends as an adult and as a parent as it yeah, is. You know? Exactly. I mean, I don't think I've made it. I don't think I've made a new friend in like twelve years. If I'm being honest, since I've been married. I know. Actually. Wait, wait a second. No. Um, it's so so. There already it becomes harder. And the the only real advice in that case, you know, when when you when we go through when we went through our therapy and our planning and and our um, training to adopt Liam. Uh, a big part of it was just looking at your life and and saying, okay, well, where do you worship? Where do you work? Where do you go for entertainment? What what areas do you live in? Um, you know, where what schools do you think your child will be going to? And and if all of those all of those are very lily white, you you might need to have a lifestyle change, or you might need to reconsider adopting because because in this case for us it was like, well, I don't want my son to have my experience, which was going to a, a, a previously all-white school and being like one of four people of color in the whole school, that, that, that wasn't a good experience for me and I don't want that for him. Um, but maybe that's also something that we all need to start thinking a little bit more about is, well, am I going to places that are notoriously only white? Uh, you know, in my, I mean, this is crazy. When I first went to Joburg and I saw, and I went to a restaurant and I saw the restaurant being very mixed, a lot of black people, a lot of white people, I was like, whoa, this is weird because in Cape Town, that mm -hmm. never happens. So I, I do know how hard it is to, to, like I say, have that organic friendship where you're, where you're okay and willing to, where, the, where, the, where you, there's trust there, right? So mm. you can ask the question and you can trust that that person will be honest with you and will also know where you're coming from because oh, you're Sam and Charlene, I know you, it's all good. Um, so, so it is a it is a hard place to start. Um, sorry, I need some water. I'm talking way too much. My apologies. <laughs> we know all about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. We're asking so, <laughs> you to talk to us. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, the other thing is, I, I have a, I have a, I want to say, good friend. I mean, he's a friend who's a good person, um, but he's also a good friend. Um, mm. he, his name's Brett Anderson. He's a he's a social activist in in a lot of ways, but he spends a lot of his time writing and blogging about ways for white people to actually start this journey of of not beating themselves up not saying oh i'm terrible and oh this is the worst but actually starting on a journey of asking the hard questions putting yourself in uncomfortable situations um or men not uncomfortable situations but being okay with the discomfort of mm. you know maybe maybe being in a in a culture or in a space that isn't made for you uh which which is a big part of it. Like, are you okay with, you know, if, if you do, if you are someone who goes to church regularly, are you okay with moving to another church that might be a bit more mixed? Mm. That maybe you aren't the, all the faces don't look like you. Uh, are you okay with sending your son to a school where maybe he's the odd one out as opposed to the black child being the odd one out? Or those kind of questions. Um, so, so Brett Anderson is definitely someone I would say, read his stuff because it's, it's very useful. Um, the nice thing about that is it's kind of like a cheat code because he's done all the hard work already. So <laughs> he's done all that hard thinking and he's he has spent the time collecting it sounds weird. He 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 not collecting, he he's spending time connecting, it's a better word, with people of color who and, and working on those friendships and getting insight from them to do the stuff that he's writing. And then you can just go read his stuff and get kind of leapfrog that whole process so you don't have to have to do all that hard work it does mean that you have to do the reading though and, and i think that's that's also the problem um you know it, it's it's work it's not going to come naturally it's going to feel uncomfortable and we all 
we all have to just be okay with being uncomfortable. I think is the is one of the big answers to the question. Yeah, and I think the no yeah. judges thing definitely applies here still in that if you see that someone's willing to learn, or if you see that some like let's not attack each other in this. It is tricky. We all grew up um, in apartheid and post-apartheid South Africa, and and this is we are a product of that, and uh, we need to be trying to make good out of this. And not be at each other's throats, right? So, um, in in talking about that, say, sorry. yeah, go sorry, for it. Sorry, I just want to say that that, that there is also I 100 percent agree with you with the, the no judgment, but I think a little bit of thick skin is required because oh, sometimes yeah. you will you will be criticized. You know, like you said, you guys said you got you got a bit of friendly fire, which is which is cool. That we to, needed that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, for instance, a lot of the pushback I got yesterday. It wasn't so much that people were uh, disagreeing with me. They were just angry that I would dare criticize an action that they've taken. They were getting so, defensive, which is a, which is a exactly. go-to for, for white people. You're just like, but hang on. You know what it felt like to, to me? And then that was also just part of me checking myself and, and whatnot. You know when I can only imagine how men feel when they're just happily going on about their day and they ask their wife, like, oh, how you doing? I'm oh, fine. And you know that you're in shit. <laughs> you know it. And that's how I felt. I was just like, whoa, I just logged on to social media today. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, how did I become the enemy here? What, what is, you know, it was like a very sudden turn of events. I understand um, the process and, and how it got to that point. But I think a lot of white people get their backs up and immediately fall into the defensive because they feel attacked. And so mm. I think let's all we need to move past that and understand why what's happening is happening. And as you say, that's a great point to grow a thick skin. Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, we, we have to understand that people of color, like myself, and and even more so, I mean, I, I'm putting myself in, the, in, in, a, in a particular category, but I'm not a poor black woman from a township. Mm. You know, I, I, I have other levels of privilege and other level, you know, the, just the fact that I have this voice and the ability to talk to you gives me an, a, a massive amount of privilege. So I do want to acknowledge that, that, you know, when it comes to, you know, horrible stories and, and the way uh, our society treats people, I'm not the lowest of the low. I'm not the, the person who's been beaten down the most. So I want to acknowledge that. Mm. But people like myself and other people of color are are angry and we kind of have a right to be. Mm. So so I think that's also something we have to be very careful of. And I got a lot of that yesterday as well. It was people saying, hey, you shouldn't be venting. You should be educational. You should be, <laughs> you know, uplifting and positive. And I want to say like, dude, like, like, go straight to hell. You have no idea I'm what I'm going through. I'm fucking angry and <laughs> yeah. I'm hurt. Get the yeah. hell out of here. You don't know what I go through on a daily basis. So yeah, I've exactly. got to sit here and educate you because <laughs> it doesn't actually fucking occur to you how it is to walk into your local pick and pay with a white person next to you and the security guard profiles you to yeah. say, hey, sorry, can I check your bags but not the white lady next to you? Because why? Because I'm not white. Because that yeah. doesn't fucking happen to you. I'm angry. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, and, no. and again, it's the same way that that when 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 the, when the horrible thing with with Unene happened, you know, down the road in the post office here, yeah, or whenever there's a horrible event that happens to a woman, or a new statistic comes out about how terribly women are treated in this country, and women respond with fear and anger, with men are trash and me too, and then a man comes on and says, "Well, no, not really, not all men." I mean, it's like, <laughs> dude. Are you seriously telling me how to like? Oh, you know, you catch a lot more, a lot more bees with honey. Like, are you telling me that I'm not allowed to be angry, angry when I've been mistreated? Yeah. yeah, it's it's bizarre, and and it's a, and I don't think it's it's again. And this is where I I, I start to get into trouble because I, I start to generalize, and I'm trying to try not to. But I think part of the big problem with white privilege is that it tells white people that they should be the center. They should be that the story is about them. So if they're uncomfortable, if they're hurt, it sounds like someone's screaming in my house. It's one of the one of the points. <laughs> um, white privilege tells people that if they're uncomfortable or hurt or scared or offended, then that is the most important feeling in the story, not so much the actual victim or the actual 
um, you know, uh, the person who's been demeaned. It's not, it's not about them. It's about the fact that I feel uncomfortable with the, with the story. Um, and, and this is the additional problem with the black square thing yesterday. It wasn't so much, hey, we're standing in solidarity with you. It's, hey, I am a white person whose voice needs to be heard. I need to be heard saying something. And, and this is the struggle because, hey, I want to make sure that I'm in the center of this conversation. And it's kind of like I just had this image of, you know, people protesting and a white person jumping in front of everyone and saying, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm an ally. Can you all see me being an ally? I want you to make sure like and everyone's trying to and, and they're and they're marginalized people trying to have their say, trying to get to the microphone. And and they're being pushed away so that the white person can make sure that everyone knows that he or she is an ally. And and I don't think that's the way you show, you show solidarity. You know, I think the way you, you truly show solidarity is by, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is being vocal. Other times it's been quiet and amplifying other people's voices. And and that's not a skill that white privilege teaches. White privilege teaches that your voice is the most important voice and should always be heard. Um, so, so and, and it's the same with male privilege, right? Like I, I, I'll never forget the, the craziest thing. We had a, we had a, 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 um, a session at my work a couple of years ago about sexual harassment and um, keep making women feel safe in the workplace. And the first three questions, I was the first one to put my hand up to give an answer to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at one point, I had to, re- I had to realize, wait a second, there are women in this mm. in this conversation that have a much better idea of what should be said and actually have a much bigger right to say something. I need to keep quiet now and just maybe not in agreement. Um, so, so I think that's another thing we have to learn is that. Yeah, I, and again, I just to re-emphasize if you are someone who posted that black square i do believe that you're trying to show solidarity i do believe that you are trying to do a good thing that you're trying to show what you stand for and what you believe in so so i don't want to i don't want people to feel like i've um like i'm uh, alienating you a, a, or, alienating them or that i think or make, ostracizing I, you for I, doing so exactly i i think that you may have tried to do a good thing but still in a framework of white supremacy, which I know is saying that it's going to get people's hairs, but hairs up. But what I mean by that is that you still think that by me saying something, that's, that's a lot more important than the hundreds and thousands of black people that are saying something. It, so you could have had it up, use an opportunity to share a post from a person of color and uplift that and say, Hey, this is what a person of color has to say. Maybe we should listen to him or her mm. instead you chose to post your own thing and and really make it about you. Um, I'm saying you in general, not you two in mm. particular. Um, so so and and again and again, that's complex, right? It's it's not something that is immediately obvious. The the immediate obvious thing is to yep, I agree with the fact that black people need to be treated better. I'm going to post a black square. That's the immediate obvious thought. What we need is that second thought of well, okay, wait a second. How do I do this in a in the best way possible? And take a day, take half a day, take a few hours to really think it through, to, you know, chomp on the bit a bit, take it, take some time to read what people are saying and, and then, and then act. Um, and again, I, I want to make sure that I make it clear. I am not the perfect person with this. I, I have, I have posted in haste. <laughs> because I thought I was in the right and I thought I was on the right side of stuff before and then to be normally called by my wife to say hey have you really thought this through <laughs> like have you thought there have you actually thought the implications through um usually it's my wife she's very wise um yeah so so it, it, hap- it happens to me it's that it's that rush of blood to the head that you want to help you want to be part of the solution and then you kind of potentially cause more of a problem as well so Terence, we're gonna leave it at that um and I want to thank you so much firstly for yes you're not an expert in all of this but I think we're all just learning and we need to learn from each other firstly secondly I hope this continues long after the hashtag and the trend of this week you know just like um the me too movement uh, needs to have legs so does black lives matter so may the discussion continue and that brings us to our bottom line yeah i think now's just the time to start the doing and the doing is just 
shut up and listen. Mm. Sit back and internalize and listen. And it's very difficult for two talkers like you and I. But, um, to do, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's, that's just how we felt um, in this week. So, of course, we're open to to keep talking about this. This is why we did an episode, so that we can open up the discussion. Um, for sure. And also open to friendly criticism, friendly, constructive criticism. Um, we're putting our asses on the line. We're being vulnerable, but it's not about us. It's about the betterment of, of our society. And so we're happy to know how to do better. For sure. We want to keep talking about this. And Sam and I are going to pull on our thickest skins. So <laughs> listeners, you know this. If you want to chat with us, weigh in on something, swear, rant, cry, laugh, or criticize us, please DM us a voice note on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or record one on your phone and hit us up over email info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Also, feel free uh, to tag us in any Instagram or Facebook posts that you think might be up our alley. Of course, um, anytime you are bombing at momming still in this weird space that is 2020, we want to know. Um, there are no bad moms for me right now, uh, but feel free to tag us in your bad mom moments. I've had quite a few, but I've given myself a lot of grace in this time. <laughs> yeah, we're going easy on ourselves. <laughs> your support is so important to us, guys. So please uh, keep those hashtag bombing at momming and hashtag bad mom moments coming. You have no idea. Every like, every love, every share, every comment, it really uh, motivates and drives us. It is our bread and butter. Uh, so, yeah, please don't forget uh, to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook, not uh, only for our benefit, because we do we do love it and we gloat in, in, in the reviews, but it helps um, <laughs> for us to see and be seen. And hit that subscribe button so that you get notified when we do make an appearance. Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we will be for you. And so that's it for this week. Until next time, keep your mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at and we'll get back to you. <laughs>